rise and give thanks and praise to God who has brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is a good God, and he is worth our praise. He's worthy of our worship. And then to be here to honor your pastor, I think we ought to appreciatively applaud him, <laughs> Pastor Bishop and his wife. Amen. Praise God. To God be the glory. Pastor Bishop is a man I would consider a friend, and it is great to know him. Uh, met several times, of course, on the campus of Southern Seminary and Boyce College, uh, and have always found him to be a godly man, and then I have watched him uh, from a distance and see the consistency in character, that who he is in private is who he is in public, and I am grateful to know a man like that. Amen. And to his wife who's beside him, God bless you. Uh, Sister Evans, I'm so sorry I said to her after she read my, my bio, I'm sorry you had to suffer through that. That's one of the things I would do away with, I guess, uh, or at least rewrite it to shorten it up. Uh, probably the most important thing on that bio is that I made a wise decision to marry my wife, uh, Ebony, who is here with me this morning. Amen. Nothing else really matters. All the accomplishments and awards will burn up uh, in the end, but there are some things more important than that. And so I praise God for relationship uh, and for my bride being with me. Uh, she's sitting next to my mother, her mother, uh, our Nana, who's holding our daughter. And so we're grateful for my family being here uh, with me to help us celebrate uh, Pastor Bishop. There are so many uh, looking out amongst you, theologians, Forest Baptist is blessed, you see, uh, to have such awesome men of God uh, leading you. And so I know that I would be a fool to come in here and try to come up with something new. I don't have anything new to give you. I have something old to give you. I'm going to leave it with you and then trust these men to do a better job with it than what I will do from this pulpit. But I want to preach from your thematic verse. If you would join me again, it's been read in your hearing. But let's look at this verse again and see if we can't get fresh water out of an old well. Taken out of Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, chapter number 3, verse number 15. Listen afresh to the word of God. And I will give you pastors or shepherds. After my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For this time that is ours to share together, I'd like to talk about the pastor as a means of God's grace. The pastor as a means of God's grace. As I find a way into this sermon, into this text, I'm thinking about the pastors who have been influential in my life, Pastor Bishop. And I have grown up, I don't know, maybe it was something that God always put in me, but I have grown up with great admiration and respect and reverence. 
for the man I would call pastor. My pastor was my pastor my whole life up until God took him to be with him. Over 35 years, he pastored the Mount Calvary Missionary Baptist Church. And I watched how week in and week out, he would stand before God's people and open up the word of God and preach to people who sometimes wanted to hear it and sometimes did not want to hear it. But not only did I watch how he labored from the pulpit, I watched how when the service was over and the week had come, that he would go to house, from house to house, from hospital room to hospital room, caring for the sheep. You see, pastoring is more than just standing from the pulpit preaching. And make no mistake, I think that this is the highest and most glorious ministry one can do in the life of a church. But being a pastor extends beyond just working in the pulpit. It involves getting in the mess of people's lives. It involves being concerned with the day-to-day affairs of people's life. And my brothers and sisters, I have seen pastors, I've been in church for a while, looking at the example of my pastor, but I've also seen, God help us, some examples of bad pastors who are not concerned with preaching the word. They get up on a Sunday morning with a Saturday night special. I watch other pastors who look for what they can get from the sheep rather than what God has given them to give to the sheep. I've seen good pastors and I've seen bad pastors enough to know that when you have a good one, you ought to praise God and thank God for him because he is God's heart for you. He is a means of grace for you. Oh, how I love pastors. Not only did I watch pastoring, but I was graced to be a pastor myself. For the past five years, I have the joy of pastoring the Greater Good Hope Baptist Church in 26 and Howard here in Louisville, Kentucky. It is an awesome responsibility. It was an awesome task. The work was sometimes difficult. In fact, people were sometimes difficult. But I would not trade my journey for anything. I enjoyed my time as a pastor. Yet as I stand here and try to encourage your pastor... I think that you should be aware of some startling statistics because with all of the good I saw, there are pastors in this land right now who are struggling severely. Perhaps you've seen them. Perhaps you're familiar with Barna's research of how they have explained that 90% of pastors report working between 55 and 75 hours a week. 80% of Pastoral ministry, or pastors believe that pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. Many pastors' children do not attend church now. I know that's not the case here, but the church seemingly has wounded the relationship between pastor and family. 95% of pastors do not regularly pray with their spouse. 33% state that. Being in ministry is an outright hazard to the family. 75% report significant stress-related crises at least once in their ministry. 90% of pastors feel inadequately trained to cope with the ministry demands. 
50% of pastors and 84% of their spouses feel unqualified and discouraged in the role of pastor. My brothers and sisters, these negative statistics do not make up the heart of my sermon. They only form the introduction. I want to tell you what we're dealing with when we step into this office of pastor. My brothers and sisters, it's a wonderful blessing, but it can also be a great burden. That pastoring is a challenge because of at least two reasons. I feel the times are difficult. These are some difficult days. I was talking with my own pastor, Pastor Gaines, and we were just lamenting about how we feel caught up in the world's conversation now and are seemingly like ships without a sail. We don't know where exactly we fit in. We don't necessarily go with the liberation things that we are tempted to because of difficult times, yet I am embarrassed to say I'm an evangelical to see how they have behaved, especially during this past election cycle. I want to know where we fit in, my brothers and sisters. This is a difficult time to pastor. Oh, people are hurting. The world seems hopeless. The devil seems like he's on a rampage. Things don't seem to be getting easier, yet God calls us to stand up in the midst of a sick secular society and a crumbling and collapsing culture to declare what thus saith the Lord. These are some difficult days, but oh, my brothers and sisters, not only are the times difficult, but people are difficult. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? <laughs> that these are difficult days, but as we pastor, we deal with difficult people. I know that you're sitting here in Forest Baptist, and none of y'all would cause y'all's pastor any trouble. You're sitting here looking wonderful, suited and booted, you know, dressed from the head to your toe. I know that you are good members. You don't ever critique or criticize or complain. You're always ready to do what God tells the pastor to do for his church, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I pastored us for a little while, and I know that we can be some difficult people even in the midst of difficult days this seems like attention especially when you hear this verse and I, says God, will give you pastors after my own heart. The thing I want to lift up and spend the rest of my time with is, my brothers and sisters, though these are difficult days, pastors are still God's gift to the church. And watch this. How you treat your gift will determine what you feel about the giver. Yes, yes, this is a gift. Anything that that, that God gives is what I think would be grace, especially when you understand that this prophecy from the prophet Jeremiah comes in a time where the people of Israel seem to have lost their mind. <laughs> they are difficult people for they have diverted from the law of God, they have diverted from the statutes and ordinances and judgments of God to go after what I feel they think are greener pastures. They say, God, we want to ignore your rule, your reign, your righteousness for our lives, and we want to go after the kings and the pagans that we have seen around us, and we don't get to have fun like they get to have fun. In fact, this is a time of political turmoil that 
high turnover rate in the office of king for God had to punish his people and allow the enemy nation to come in one after the other, the Assyrians, the Egyptians, eventually the Babylon, Babylonians to deal with his people. But even in the midst of this, that God is such a gracious God that when he looks at disobedient people and should destroy them, that God gives grace to them. I think you just missed your shout cue. I think I better rewind and say that again. Let me say it a different way by putting a parenthetical note. Before God gives wrath, God has a way of giving warning. That God will warn his people before he takes his people out. And this is why we can thank God for the prophet Jeremiah because he comes with a word not of commendation but a word to God's people for a way to get back into relationship with him. And before you lose me on this sermon, I'm trying to talk to somebody who knows that you have not been the most ideal member. You have not been the most ideal Christian and when you think about what we deserve because of the sin we committed against a holy and a righteous God you would thank God that before God destroys you that God will give you warning that's what I call grace God sends Jeremiah with a word telling them if you would return unto me then I will restore you back to your land if you would repent and return back to me I would restore your possessions that have been taken from you if you repent and return back to me then I will give you pastors after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding my brothers and sisters, a pastor is God's grace to the church. In fact, let me say it even more specifically. That a man who will be fervent in his faith and faithful to the flock is God's way of blessing his church. I think that is what I can lift up from this one verse that I've come to preach to you. Listen to it again. And I, says God, will give you pastors after my own heart. I think we ought to stop right there for a moment because we need to talk about what it means, Pastor, to be fervent in the faith. Listen to what he says. This shepherd, this leader, this ruler who's going to rule my people is going to be somebody who has a heart that is comparable to my heart. Somebody who loves the things that I love, who hates the things that I hate. And we need more pastors like this who are concerned with what the will of the Lord is and will seek to do it with all haste. We need more pastors who are going to be less self-centered and more God-centered. We need more pastors who are not going to feed themselves but will seek to feed God's people. In order to do that, you have to have a certain character. You have to have a heart after God. This is good news because you would understand that bad leadership is the reason why the children of Israel are in the place that they're in now. We know a little bit of what that's like to be under bad leadership. You look at the history of this world, you see when 
the evilest of men are exalted, then the vilest of men will rejoice. You see how when you know, all throughout history we have had the rise of evil people and it has had devastating effects on the people who are under their rule. Are y'all still listening to me? Because if you go back 50, 60 years ago, there was a man by the name of Hitler who rose to power as a leader, but this man was so sick in his head that the way he led caused devastating effects for the people under his leadership. You've seen even in the history of our country, president after president, some did marvelous things, but they were just merely men who had problems like the rest of us. And when they worked after, when they led according to their frailty and their deficiency, it had devastating effects on the people under their leadership. I told you about 50, 60 years ago, I don't mean to start no stuff, but it seems like 50, 60 years later that there's somebody who has the same characteristics of a man I just mentioned who are still causing devastating effects for the people of God. But what God is saying is that when I come to bless you, when I come to give you grace, then I'm coming to give you somebody who's going to have a heart like mine, who when he rules is going to rule the way I would rule. When he loves you, it's going to be an expression of how I would love you. He is a man who is concerned with pursuing me. I don't know where my volume went, but I need a little more right here. But I want to read to you, my brothers and sisters, Ephesians chapter number four, because I think that this is very similar language to what the writer Jeremiah or the prophet Jeremiah is saying. Ephesians chapter four, look how the pastor can be a gift. Look at verse number 11. And he gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, here it is, the shepherds and the teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. <laughs> I want to stop right there for a moment. There's more to read later, but I want to focus on the fact that the pastor is God's means of grace in order to see the church built up. The world, the devil, the demons would see you destroyed, but God has under shepherds in place that will protect the flock of God, that will feed the flock of God, that will love the flock of God. I think because he understands that ultimately these ain't my people, these are God's people. And if I want to do a good job in what God has called me to do, I've got to think like he would have me to think. My brothers and sisters, you must have a pastor and praise God for him when you see him who is fervent in faith, a man after his own heart. I think this puts us in mind of this King David. David was a man who was said to be a man after God's own heart, who pursued God. There are few things that I understand about David, and I praise God for him, one of which is that he was concerned, even before he was king, with defending the name of God, who was defending the honor of God and the people of God. I don't need to go through this long litany, do I? Because you've got good pastors here. You know about the story of David and Goliath when Goliath, that giant, came and began to challenge 
the people of God and make mockery of God himself that it was David who stood up and took five stones when only needed one and slew that old Philistine giant because he was concerned with defending the name of God. I think we need pastors like that in this day when you have a heart for God. You ain't just going to let somebody come and talk about your God. And the world is trying to say all kind of stuff about who God is. They're trying to box him up and marginalize him. But we need pastors who are going to stand up and declare that God is good even in the midst of a world that seems so bad. That God is holy. That God is righteous. That God is a God of justice and fairness. That God is God all by himself. And beside him there is no other. Can't you thank God that every Sunday Pastor Bishop gets in the pulpit in order to defend the name of God. Another thing, and I don't have a long, a lot of a lot of bees. I don't have time. I know y'all want to eat. I'm not going to stand in between your food. But I, I think another thing that this puts us in mind of, as it relates to David, is that David had an awareness of his own shortcoming before God, and sought. God for repentance and for restoration. He, he, he understood, you know, that David was the king of Israel, man after God's own heart, but even godly men make mistakes every now and then. Even godly men still have sin that only Christ is able to to, to sufficiently deal with. And so when he sleeps with Bathsheba, you know that David has to come back to God and say, God created me a clean heart and renew in me the right spirit. Before he gets there, he says, it's against you and you alone have I sinned. And we need more pastors like that who are not going to mount the pulpit arrogantly and pridefully as if they have done everything perfectly. We need more pastors who are able to say I am but a sinner, but I know someone who's able to take away every sin if you would just put your faith in him. Thank God for a pastor who realizes that he's a sinner but has sought the solution in Christ. This is a pastor after God's own heart must be fervent in faith. My brothers and sisters, I, I suggest that when you have a pastor who's fervent in faith, that his role is going to be to nurture and to nourish and make the people of God aware of who God is. But, but then secondly, I think that a pastor who was fervent in faith it's going to encourage the people, as Walter Brueggemann, Old Testament scholar, would say, to relinquish and receive. That, that is, to relinquish their way of governing and receive God's way of governing. <laughs> Are y'all here with me? That, that when you have a pastor after God's own heart, he will seek to encourage the people to die to the world and the world system and to live unto God. Now, I 
have known Pastor Bishop just a short time, but I can see by the fruit of what I've seen in this congregation today that you have a pastor who's not concerned with worldly trends and with worldly fads and the latest thing happening in the ecclesiastical world, but you have a pastor who is seeking to be faithful to the Bible, to be faithful to the scripture, to be fervent in his faith to God. You ought to praise God for leaders like that. Reminds me of what Peter tells the elders there in the church. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them. Not because you must, but because you're willing as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Reminds me of what Paul was saying also to the elders in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and 29. Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. <laughs> I know the wolves are going to come. You hear what I'm telling you? But thank God for a shepherd. In fact, that's the Second point, I want to lift up and I want to be in my seat. Not only are pastors a means of God's grace fervent in the faith, but God graces his church with pastors who will also be faithful to his flock. Notice what Jeremiah the prophet says that God will do if his people would return back to him. He's going to give them pastors who will watch, feed them with knowledge and with understanding. My brothers and sisters, I think that this suggests a couple of things. I think that this suggests, first of all, the matter, but then I think secondly, it involves the means. When, when you look at a pastor, the pastor's role, first of all, is to feed the sheep. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That, that, that it's the pastor's job to feed the sheep. My pastor, Alice T. Bond, used to say it like this to us, that my job is to lead and to feed. Your job is to follow and to swallow. That, that if you're going to have a church that God can bless, that these two things must be in order, that the sheep are not here to tell the shepherd what to do. It's going to get quiet right through here, I know. But, but the shepherd is God's man to help guide his sheep into what God wants them to do. <laughs> that, that, that you have to have both of them in place. That a pastor has to know his role. I used to argue at Greater Good Hope, you know, I don't mean to start no trouble, but I just used to argue that don't have me all over here paying off buildings and directing the choir and playing the organ and running from back, back to the front and from the front to the back. Now, I'll do everything that God has gifted me to do. But when I think about my primary role and responsibility... 
How I can serve you best is not to get on the organ and play. It is not to come up with great ideas with how to appease a bank. What my job is to do is to make sure when I mount this pulpit that I can open up my mouth and say what thus saith the Lord. Because after you have come in all week long dealing with the stresses, strains, and struggles of a sick secular society, after you have come in listening to MSNBC, to CNN, to God, I hope you don't watch Fox, but if you listen to that, you've been coming in listening from the words and critiques. Somebody needs to know, is there a word from the Lord? And thank God that I get to see how much God loves me. Because every Sunday I can come to church and hear the preacher open up this book and explain to me the mysteries of God. Thank God that a pastor who is a real pastor will feed the sheep and not fleece the sheep. That's what a real pastor does. You're always looking for what you can give to, not what you can give from. I, I watched, uh, Lord, I, don't, I shouldn't say some stuff, but I, I watched how this anniversary went down, Pastor. I, I, I see that it is a reflection of your character. Not a whole bunch of fanfare. Not a whole bunch of to-do. God bless those men who do that. Some celebrations last weeks, months at a time. This pastor, even in the office, said, I don't want the focus to be on me. That, that whenever people turn to look at me, I want to turn and point them to God. And I think that this is what a good pastor does. He is concerned with making sure that God's people have a relationship with him. You can't do that if you're always looking for what people can do for you and what people can give to you. You've got to be able to give to some stuff. Feed the sheep. How? I have too long now. I've got to sit down. Here is, here is, first of all, I think the manner you feed them with wisdom, with knowledge, and with understanding. With, with knowledge and understanding. It describes, I think, both content and character. The character is that you have a godly man who is knowledgeable and understanding of the word of God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Knowledgeable. I've learned this when I was growing up. Embarrassing story, not when I was growing up, when I was trying to raise my daughter to grow up. We went to, what's this popsicle place uh, on Barstown Road? Steel City. So y'all been there. That's what I'm talking about. We went to Steel City Pops. And my daughter was just a few months old at the time, I think. But I wanted to give her a popsicle. <laughs> It is fruit, isn't it? I, I thought it was just frozen fruit. And so I took that popsicle and rubbed it on her lips. And my wife looked at me like I had lost my mind. M mothers know best. She understood that even though it's good, there are some stuff that the baby is not ready for yet. <laughs> and so you may have to hold off on giving her that now 
until she's ready to receive it. I think that this is what it looks like when you have a pastor who is knowledgeable. That he's not coming just because he's been to school to dump a whole bunch of terms and theological explanations that you might not understand. That your pastor knows what you're able to eat, what you're able to handle, and will feed you accordingly. Uh, I think that is also the matter that when he feeds you, he does not feed you the latest philosophy. He does not feed you the most popular ideas. <laughs> he feeds you the word of God. I hear the book of Proverbs say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Are y'all here with me? The best thing you can have is a pastor who's not always going to stand up and tickle your ear with a bunch of stuff you would like to hear. But you're going to have a pastor who feeds you with knowledge. That means he will get up and say what thus saith the Lord. Whether you want to hear it, whether you don't. Whether you like it, whether you don't. He's going to stand up and say what God has told him to say, I like the theme that you pick a charge to keep I have because that is the reality. When we stand up, we stand up as ambassadors for the Lord, which means that we don't get to come up with the idea that we just report what's been told to us and woe unto us if we change one sentence of what God has said to say to you. Thank God for a pastor who is knowledgeable and wise to feed you the word of God. And I've seen that in Pastor Bishop. This is why I'm glad to stand here, my brothers and sisters, and for these few moments encourage you because I want you to see when you have a godly man who is fervent in faith and faithful to feed the flock that he should be honored he should be celebrated not to eclipse the glory of God but as a means of God's grace to his church when you see your pastor you ought to be reminded of how much God loves you Brothers and sisters, there have been great shepherds all throughout the Bible. Moses was a shepherd for God's people, led the children out of bondage in Egypt into the promised land. Over and over, God would send leaders to lead his people. But what was common with all of them is that they're just men. Even in the New Testament, that God would raise up the apostles, that God would send people like the Apostle Paul, who would instruct others to shepherd the flock of God among you. He even told the Apostle John, feed my sheep. What's common amongst them is that they're just men. But there is another shepherd, my brothers and sisters, who, when you have a pastor who is fervent in faith, will not point to himself, but will point to that shepherd. Can't you hear him? came 42 burning generations, born of a woman in Bethlehem, grew up in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with men, was baptized in the Jordan. And when he was, there was a voice that came from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Oh, you know him, don't you? He grew up doing good among men. 
heal those who were sick, loosened stammering tongues, gave sight to those who were blind. He was a man, but he was more than a man. He is God in flesh. He says in John 10 that I am the good shepherd. How do you know he's a good shepherd? And what is his means of grace? He says, because I'm not like those other shepherds. I'm not fake or phony. I don't run away when there's trouble. In fact, I stay right in the midst of trouble. And I give my life for my sheep. Y'all got to excuse me. Something starts happening to my voice when I think about Calvary. Because you know this shepherd I'm talking about. He died sacrificially. One Friday, they took him and marched him up. Calvary's heel. They put nails in his hand. They put nails in his feet and the shepherd died as a sheep. The lamb slain before the foundation of the world. But oh God did not leave him on the cross. He was taken from the cross. Put in Joseph's tomb where he stayed there three days and for three nights. But oh early Sunday morning. My good shepherd got up and now he's king. Is there anybody who can praise God for Jesus? That's his name. He is the good shepherd who we as under shepherds try to point to. And if you want to be blessed as a church, You better see your pastor as a means of grace because how you treat this gift will determine what you really feel about the giver. You might have had an election or a vote. Baptists know how to vote. I know that's the truth. But it's God who sends pastors. Thank God that he does. Ones who are fervent in faith and will be faithful to the flock. God, how we praise you for your son, Jesus, who is the epitome of what it means to be faithful. For he became obedient to his father and laid down his life for his sheep so that they can truly have relationship with you. Thank you that we preach him warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we might present everyone mature. We struggle, we toil, we strive. Not alone, but with your power that is powerfully working in us. Thank you for pastors and shepherds. Thank you for Pastor Bishop. I pray that you would encourage him in moments where days seem difficult. That you would remind him of who he is and what he's here to do as your shepherd. That he might remain faithful both in faith and to the flock. We praise you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen.